Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, It's a great day to be in God's house together with God's people to worship our Lord with one another. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets we have on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Just put your name and address on there. And and if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there. We send that out every Thursday, and it's a great way to keep up with the activities and opportunities at Community Baptist Church. So we invite you to do that. Uh, We have several announcements. First of all, let me say congratulations to our uh, Community Baptist Church trivia team. Uh, Let's let's see here. Can we get that picture up there? You don't have that picture? Oh, okay. Oh, man, that's a a shame. We had a picture up there. uh, Every year, Community Baptist Church has a trivia team. This is a part of the Rotary uh, the Henderson Rotary Tri- Trivia Night, and it's a fundraiser for uh, for good causes around the community. And we had a team last night, and I'm proud to say that we placed third out of 37 teams. Uh, yeah, and we tied for first with theme because we encourage encourage the tables to have themes. We we tied for first. For themes, our themes were was our theme was the '70s night, or and, or the '70s table, and that's why I wish you had a picture up here because it was pretty cool, folks. And for getting the for tying that, we got a hundred dollars, and that'll go towards our debt reduction uh, campaign. 
Some other things we have going on. Uh, volleyball tonight. We're going to be playing volleyball right here tonight at 6 o'clock. And so uh, if, if you could help us after worship to stack the chairs, we would, we would uh, appreciate that. We have several meetings going on today. Let me uh, go ahead and say, I know it says that mission and mer- uh, mission ministry team meets at 3. We're not going to do that because we got enough going on this afternoon. And, and uh, I don't think we can do anything in just a half an hour anyway. So we're not going to have the missions and ministry team, but everything else will, be, uh, will take place. You'll see in your, uh, your bulletin that uh, Holy Name will be having a service of prayer for Christian unity on Friday at noon, and we're all uh, invited to that. And uh, Rick Cox will be singing a, a solo at that, so we'll, we'll look forward to that. And also, uh, let me call to your attention uh, and, and go ahead and, and, and get you thinking about this. You see in your bulletin there it says, Unleashed. Repurposing our assets, unleashing our potential. Uh, this is a three-year mortgage principal reduction campaign that we are beginning to launch now. Um, this, the first thing that we're going to be doing uh, uh, in, in conjunction with this is Wednesday. We will be having a concerted time of prayer Wednesday night uh, to start us thinking and spiritually asking God, what, what do you, God, want us to do? as far as our contribution towards, uh, towards this campaign. We feel like we have been leashed. We have been shackled by this debt for too long, and it's time to get rid of it. And so we're going to be, make a concerted effort to do that beginning next month. And uh, so go ahead and be thinking about that and begin your prayers now, seeking God's will uh, for what God would have you to do. One other thing I want to do, and that is to introduce our new uh, children's ministry director. Where is she? There she is. I know her. Sorry. Katie Horton. Katie, stand up. So everybody see. This is Katie Horton. She is our new uh, children's ministry director. Katie, you want to say anything? You want to tell us about yourself? I'm putting her on the spot. Oh, okay. They got this figured out. Okay. So, welcome, Katie. We are glad that you are officially with us, even you, even though you played trivia last night for Matthew 25. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have you next year, okay? Okay. It's great to have everybody here today. It's great to, to be with God's people today. And let me invite you now. Let's stand. And I know it's cold outside, but let's greet each other with warm fellowship today. Mine came out. Mine comes on every day. But it, it's right here. Get in that little. If you taste it, the candy cans are costing sixteen dollars. I just wait. <laughs> 
Father, we are all your children, and so many times we are lost. We are so overwhelmed by the day-to-day events of our lives that sometimes when we should be calling out to you, we think that we can do it all ourselves. We need to be more aware that you are always there and are always ready to help lift us up out of the storm as it rages around us seems that no matter how hard we try to do it ourselves, the storms just seem to get bigger and bigger. And we are more frustrated and lost. And so God, we pray today that you would strengthen, strengthen us to let go and to give these storms over to you. Help us to not forget that you are always there and that You are bigger than any storm that might encompass us in our lives. And we thank you, God. We thank you for calling us to be your people, your children, your hands and feet on earth, your presence on earth in a world of need. Help us, God, to be faithful in your work. Amen.
Um, I just want to make an announcement too. Since there's the volleyball tonight, um, youth will be having kind of that as our our um, our youth group tonight, and then we'll have like a little small devotion like halfway in between. Um, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold. But what manner of love has He given us? We are all children of God. Oh, right. That manner of love. But how do we know God loves us? This is how we know. Jesus loved us and laid down his life for us. Oh, yeah. So I guess we should lay our li- down our lives for our sisters and brothers, too, right? If a person has possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, yeah, how can God's love remain in us if we don't love one another? Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. With actions and in truth, huh? Not just empty promises? This is how we know God is with us. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth, that we are children of God. from John 1, 11-13. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. 
But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of the man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. How about now? Alright. Happy New Year! Wyatt, you're the only male. That's alright. That's okay. Well, I just wanted to say, did you all hear that announcement? I got to spend five beautiful years with you guys. Sometimes when we first started, look, I I saw you come up to Children's Church, Neva. Sometimes you guys, uh, it's been five years. Look how big you've grown. But you know what? It's a new year, and it's time for some new changes. Did you hear Dr. Tim say uh, sometimes life can be overwhelming? The, oops, kind of. Kind of had an overwhelming year, and you guys might not know this, but I, my uh, brother went to heaven, my sister went to heaven, uh, John's dad went to heaven, huh? They passed away. So it got a little bit overwhelming, but you know what? Like God, or like Dr. Tim said, God works in mysterious ways because just quite by accident, one November Saturday, I was at a conference and I met Katie. We had never met each other before, and Katie came and sat by me while we were listening to the speaker, and we started talking. And it's just God works in mysterious ways. You guys, Katie is phenomenal. Let me tell you a little bit about Katie. <laughs> Uh, Katie lived with her mom and dad in Ashland, Kentucky. So she's not far from here, but Henderson is not her home. Ashland, Kentucky. And I'm going to embarrass her, but raise your hand if you want to take a guess of how old you think Katie is. (laughs) Because look at that face. She makes me sick. Wyatt, how old? What? 21. 28. 29, 30, you're getting close. Yeah, because I thought like Wyatt, she was about 21. Gracie, you want to take a guess? 30, so she, no, she's not 35. Now you're getting a little bit now. Anyway, all right, Neva, one more guess. 31, how old are you, Katie? 30, somebody said that, 30. She's got such a little baby face, she just makes me sick. But anyway, she, listen to the, you, you guys, she went to Berea College. And then she went to uh, Eastern Kentucky University. Now, if you go for four years, you get a bachelor's degree. She already has that. And then she went back to school, and she's got a master's degree in public health. Okay? Now, she works at Matthew 25. And that's a place, um, I'm sure some of her days are very, very sad, because she deals with people with AIDS or HIV. But what I found most interesting, and you can ask Katie about that, What I found most interesting about her was she's already been in the Peace Corps, and she's been to South Africa, and she spent over two years in South Africa, and she worked with children who have this disease, HIV. So she's got, uh, she did counseling for children. 
So that Saturday we started talking, and uh, it was time for me to spend some more time at the other job. And so in November I asked Katie if she might be interested. So she's your new children's director. And anytime Miss Sue can't be here because her family, family issues, or anytime Miss Lana can't be here, or anytime Miss Katie can't be here, of course I know all you guys, and I'll be up there in either Sunday school or children's church for you guys. But just like you guys did for me for the last five years, I want you to be respectful to Katie. I want you to listen to Katie. And I'm going to go up and help her today because we've got quite a few kids, and we love having this many kids, okay? All right, let's say a word of prayer. Dear gracious God, we come to you this morning. Father, it is a new year. It's a new year of changes. It's a new year for us to be more Christ-like and to serve you. We ask that you continue to bless our wonderful church, our people in our church, and all the people we serve out in the community. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, let's go. Our God, for this wonderful day, 
and for this opportunity to be together, to fellowship, and for this wonderful body of generous people. We pray that you will be with us as we uh, enter our capital campaign. Convict each of us to uh, be, uh, be more selfless and less selfish. In Christ's name, amen.
I hope that you realize what a blessing this choir is. Thank you. Thank you. Since uh, we were not here last week due to all the snow and the ice, I came up here about 7 o'clock and the, the, the parking lot was just a sheet of ice. So we, uh, we, we had to call last week. But since we were not here last week, it seems like it's been a long time since we've been together. So I hope that your new year is uh, coming along nicely and I hope especially that you're keeping up with all of your resolutions, right? Just want to make sure. Okay. Someone has offered this toast for a new year for those of us who are getting a few years on us. Here's, here's what the toast goes like. May your hair, your teeth, your face lift, your abs, and your stocks not fall. And may your blood pressure, your triglycerides, your cholesterol, your white blood count, and your mortgage interests not rise. May you get a clean bill of health from your dentist, your cardiologist, your gastroenterologist, your urologist, your proctologist, your podiatrist, your psychiatrist, your plumber, and the IRS. And may you find a way to travel from anywhere to anywhere else during rush hour in less than an hour, and when you get there, may you find a parking space. May what you see in the mirror delight you, and what others see in you delight them. May the telemarketers wait to make their sale calls until after you finish your dinner. And may your checkbook and your budget balance. And may they include generous amounts for your church and charities. And finally, may you remember to say, I love you at least once a day to your spouse, your child, and your parents. That last one leads into our message for today. For you see, our theme for this morning is, We are God's beautiful children. Listen to these words from Paul's letter to to the Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For God chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in God's sight. In love, God destined us for adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with God's pleasure and will. Did you hear that? God has destined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. What an amazing thought that is. This is the meaning of your life and mine. Because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, listen to this, folks. We are sons and daughters of God. So let's imagine what that could mean for us as we live our lives out during this year. First of all, it means that we are all loved. My friends, if you have any question at all that God loves you, put that out of your mind right now. We are loved. In Psalm 8, we read, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? 
or human beings that you care for them? And that's a legitimate question, isn't it? I mean, this universe is, is so huge. It's so huge. So why in the world should God care about little old us? Well, that great preacher from last century, Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, dealt with this question in his book titled, The Meaning of Prayer. And the first thing that Dr. Fosdick reminded us of was that we don't always judge value based on size. I mean, think about it. We may be just a a tiny little part of God's creation, all of God's universe, but that doesn't mean that our value is diminished in any way. And we know that from our own lives. For example, while we were still children, we learned that a dime is more valuable than a nickel, even though the nickel is bigger than the dime. And so value is not determined simply by size. We can dig a a two-ton rock out of the ground, and it will not be as valuable as a two-ounce diamond. And if you put that diamond on the hand of a woman, its value has increased significantly. And we don't love a baby any less just because it's tiny. As a matter of fact, there's, there's something about a baby that we love even more because it's small. So if we don't judge value on the basis of size, then why should God? We may be a tiny little part of God's creation, but we are far from insignificant. Everything we look at in theology and in science supports the proposition that this world was created for us. And we are the most prized creatures in it. But you may argue... There's so many people here on earth. There's so many people on earth for God to love. And that's true. There are over 7 billion people on earth. 7 billion with a B. People on earth. So how could God know and care about each of us as individuals? I mean, it just seems mind-boggling to think of in those terms. Is God like the old woman who lived in the shoe, who had so many children he didn't know what to do? Well, Dr. Fosdick helps us here as well. He reminds us that the more you know about any subject, the less you think in terms of the universal or the general, and the more you think in terms of the specific or the individual. Let's consider some examples again. The Ill- an, an Ill- illiterate man wanders into a large downtown library, and on either side are rows upon rows of books, stacks of books, thousands of books. And so what do those books mean to this man? He can't read. His, he's illiterate. He can't read. So what does he see? Don't you imagine that what he sees is just one big sea of books? He might say, my, look at all these books, just a bunch of books, all very much looking the same, looking alike. That's what he sees. But what about the librarian? What does she see? 
Probably not just a blob of books. She has seen these books come in from the publishers. She's helped to, to sort and catalog each of these books. And she's checked them out to people that have come in and checked them out. She's reshelved them. She's hunted for them for clients. And she's probably, probably read a number of the books them, uh, herself. And so she thinks of these books in terms of individual books and individual authors and individual subject matters. So you see, the more people know about books, the less they view them as just a a sea of literature and the more they view them as individual titles. Let's let's use another example here. Most of us know very little about what goes on underneath the hood of a car. Are you like me? Today, most cars come with all kinds of standard features like power steering and power brakes and air conditioning and cruise control and navigation systems. And, and of course, there are computers that control it all and that there are computers that control the computers. And, but, but all of these features make things a whole lot more complicated than my old VW Bug used to be. Now, suppose we have car trouble on a deserted road. What do we do? Well, we open the hood of the car, and what do we see? We probably see a meaningless mess of metal and wires and rubber. I like something that John Ortberg once said. He says, if my car breaks down, I I, I sometimes look under the hood. I have no idea why I do this. If under the hood there were a giant off and on switch, turn to the off position, I might have some idea what to do. But Ortberg ends up doing what most of us do. He throws up his hands in frustration and calls for a tow truck. But a mechanic at the garage, he looks under the hood and he doesn't, he doesn't see a mess of metal and wires and rubber. He sees individual parts positioned in the right places. He runs a diagnostic computer test and and then repairs the car without even having to search for the defective part because he knows exactly where to find it and in the midst of all of that mess under the hood. The more you know about cars, the more you understand its individual parts. Here's one last example. Probably the most important one for us to consider. Suppose you went to Mexico City or to Tokyo, the two largest cities in the world. And you go downtown, it's rush hour. There are thousands, maybe even millions of people in the streets. What's our first impression likely to be? We'll probably just see a great mass of faces and and they all look pretty much the same to us. However, if we were to to stay in that city for a while, for a period of time and and come to know the people and come to love some of the people there, when we come to understand their culture, they would no longer all look the same to us. It would no longer be a mass of people and we would see them as individuals and not just a sea of humanity. Well, my friends, listen to this. God knows every single person in the world by name. God knows every Israeli and Palestinian by name. 
God knows every child in Zambia and South Africa by name. God knows every Saudi and every Iranian and every Syrian and Russian by name. God knows all of us by name. And the more you know about any subject, the less you think in general terms and the more you think in individual terms. God knows everything there is to know about every single one of us. I mean, God is the source of, of all knowledge and all truth. And so, so God does not see us as just a mass of humanity. No. God sees us and loves us as individuals. We are loved. You know, in the minds of many people today, the most important question that haunts their souls is the question that asks, is the universe friendly? And the answer that we have to give to them is a firm and unyielding yes. The universe is friendly. Why? Because God loves us, each and every one of us individually, just as we are. And finally, in Jesus Christ... God has chosen us to be God's own children. In love, writes Paul, God has destined us for adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with God's will and God's pleasure and will. So how often do you think of yourself as a son or a daughter of God? Once a week, maybe on Sunday? Once a year? How about never? Some of you have probably never thought of yourself as a child of God. Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't feel worthy to be a son or a daughter of God. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't. But God does. And guess what? God still loves you. God still loves you and God still loves me. And that's great good news. Larry Crabb writes about a therapist who used to assemble a, a group of people to play a game called Top Secret. And he, what he would do, he, he would ask people in the group to write out the one thing about themselves that they were least inclined to share. Write down the one thing that they didn't want anybody else to know. The one thing that nobody, that nobody knew about them. And then turn that paper in without signing it. Well, he says, over the years, one answer has consistently emerged as the most frequently admitted secret. And it's usually expressed with some phrase like this. I feel utterly worthless. And no one would want me if they knew me. Well, folks, let me tell you something. God knows you. And God wants you. You see, you are far from worthless in the eyes of God. On the contrary, God sees you. And God sees you as having unimaginable value. In fact, you are so valuable to God that God gave God's very Son for you. 
In his book titled Love Beyond Reason, John Ortberg tells a story that many of you parents may be able to relate to. Stories about a doll named Pandy. And Pandy belonged to John's sister, whose name was Barbie. I know that's a lot of dolls' names, but Barbie is the sister, not the doll. And Pandy was Barbie's favorite doll. And of course, wherever Barbie went, Pandy went too. And you can imagine, after years of devoted love from Barbie, Pandy started getting a little ragged. She was a mess. But Barbie never noticed her ugliness. Pandy was still her favorite doll, despite the fact that she was ripped and torn and ugly and dirty. And then then one year, the family was vacationing in Canada. And on their way back to Illinois, Barbie suddenly realized that Pandy was missing. The family had already traveled hundreds of miles Guess what happened? Mr. Ortberg turned the car around and the whole family went back to Canada to get that ugly little rag doll named Pandy. You see, Mr. Ortberg knew that his daughter would not rest until she had that doll back. And the whole Ortberg family willingly made that long trip back because they knew the depth of, of the love that Barbie had for her doll. No wonder Ortberg called his book Love Beyond Reason. Go hundreds of miles out of the way to retrieve a doll? Send your beloved son into a dark cruel world for the love of a bunch of creatures like you and me? It doesn't make sense. And yet that is the good news for each of us today. God loves us that much. There's a TV commercial a while back that says it all. Actually, the commercial doesn't say anything, not a single word. Let's just watch it for ourselves. Y'all got that queued up? (coughs) You are so beautiful. (coughs) To me, you are so. Can't you see everything I hope for? You're everything I need. You are so Here we have a a series of people who have one thing in common, a nasty injury or a scar. There's a cowboy with a huge scar around his eye, and there's the the guy with the bulbous 
cauliflower ear and another with horrible calloused feet. There's no explanation at all, just the Nike swoosh and the words, just do it. This ad has been analyzed and criticized widely, says Jim Congdon, as being incomprehensible and extreme. But the key to the commercial lies in the music. In the background, we have Joe Cocker singing, You are so beautiful to me. Each of these athletes, the wrestler with the cauliflower ear, the, the surfer with the shark bite, the, build, the uh, bull rider with the, that's blind in one eye, all of their injuries, they're beauty marks. And their fans, these, to their fans, these athletes are beautiful because of their scars. And the ad's creator, Mike Foligno, says beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And Congdon says God's grace is just as jarring and just as controversial as this ad. For you see, our beauty is not found in ourselves. No, it's not. Our beauty is found in God. And God looks down upon us injured and blind and scarred. And sings, you are so beautiful to me. We may be worn out. We may be ragged. Like Barbie Ortberg's doll, Pandy. We may be sin-broken and bruised like the fellow with the cauliflower ear. But that's not how, not how God sees us. You see, because of our commitment to Jesus Christ, God sees us as a complete, completely new creature. And because God sees us as a new creation, that is how, by God's grace, we should live our lives. The slate has been wiped clean. We begin a new chapter in the book of our lives. God loves us. And it's time for us to begin living fully and wonderfully in the wonder and the knowledge of that love. Remember this, brothers and sisters. You are so beautiful. You are a beautiful child of God. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number 499. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see.
Go forth as children of the light. Shine forth in this world of darkness. Let the gospel of God become flesh in you. And may the love and the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ radiate from your life as children of God. Amen.